0: Heavenly Father, we thank you that you speak to us uh, by your Spirit, through your Word. And we pray that you do that uh, this morning uh, as we look at this passage together. Uh, May your Spirit um, uh, enable me to preach it rightly and in his power. Uh, May your Spirit open each of our hearts uh, that we might see and love and follow Jesus, uh, and that we might know uh, the, the wonder of his kingdom. Uh, So we commit this time to you, Lord, asking you to work among us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Three weeks ago, I stood right here and I told you that Christmas was coming. Well, Christmas came and Christmas has gone. Came so fast, didn't it? Uh, Some of it, we knew it was going to come, huh? That one, no problem. You look at the calendar so you know. Right? Some of us were prepared for it. All the presents, all the plans, everything sorted out. All the preparations. Some of us were so busy or distracted, it s- suddenly it was there. I- okay, like, just, just, just run with it. Right? Christmas happened. We knew it would happen, and now it has. We stopped looking forward to Christmas, and now we look back on it. Three weeks ago, I also stood here and warned you that Christ was coming again. We don't know when it will happen. But I warned you from the Scriptures to be prepared for it. And that's still the warning. Because one of these days, we will stop looking forward to Christ coming again. And we will start looking back on it. Just as we're looking back on Christmas today. Now, people have been looking forward to the coming of Christ even since before he was born. Uh, People in Jesus' day would have been thinking very excitedly about the coming of the kingdom of God. Uh, The Old Testament in various places have been promising a time when when God himself would come and save and rule his people. Uh, Isaiah 52.7, which we read earlier, for example, twice, uh, was that the good news, the gospel, would be proclaimed in Zion. And the gospel would be that your God reigns, God would come to rescue his people, rule over them as king. Zechariah 6.4 speaks of the time when when God would be king over the whole earth. And Daniel prophesied in in chapter 7 of his book that that after the kingdoms of this world are destroyed and they're replaced with uh, with the kingdom of the Son of Man, he would be given authority and glory and sovereign power and all peoples nations languages of every they'll all worship him and his dominion would be an everlasting dominion and his kingdom would never be destroyed god's people were waiting for this kingdom and at the beginning of matthew's gospel john the baptist announced the kingdom was very close repent he preached in matthew 3 2 for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and then Jesus Himself came and started preaching in his message. Matthew 4:17. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The forerunner came, the king turned up. The kingdom was about to come. So close, but not there yet. Now, as God's people waited for the coming kingdom, the expectations would have been something like this: see on the screen, right? On this side, this is timelah, the x-axis is First part is this age, the age in which they lived. Then the coming of the kingdom would usher in a new age, the age to come. And there'll be a new king from the line of David. There'll be a new covenant. God will forgive his people's sin. They will serve him from the heart. God would bless his people abundantly in the land. God's king will rule with perfect justice. He will reverse all the effects of the fall. It becomes like Eden again. And and God's people will rejoice with great joy. And the song will be something like this. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king, let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. The curse is gone. He comes to make his blessing flow, far as the curse is found. This king will rule the whole world. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glorious of his righteousness and wonders of his love. When the kingdom comes, this age is over. The age to come begins. The king rules and it's all different. Now in the parables that we read before Christmas, Jesus modified this view. Now Everything in the Old Testament about the kingdom was correct but it wasn't complete. There was more information Jesus wanted to give and that information was not available for the public, at least not yet. So Jesus spoke to the crowd in parables but he wanted his disciples to understand so he gave them the explanation, the key to interpret the parables but he didn't give everyone else. The first parable, the parable of the sower, Jesus taught that the Kingdom could be rejected. There'd be some people who never enter the Kingdom. There are some people who receive the Kingdom but don't persevere to the end. There'd be some who are faithful, and, but at the end, there would be a harvest. <coughs> but it doesn't really make sense if that diagram is all there is, isn't it? I mean, when the Kingdom comes, that's the end of this age. Lah. It's the time of the Resurrection, new Heaven and new Earth. And all the people will bow to the Son of Man, the King. How can some reject the kingdom and then some receive it and then fall away? Well, the next parable we saw, the parable of the wheat and the wheat, shows there's a gap between the coming of the kingdom and the fulfillment of the kingdom. There's a time when the kingdom is here, but not everyone's in the kingdom. Like the wheat and the weeds in the parable, in the field, those who are in the kingdom... And those who reject the kingdom will live side by side. And only when the end comes will be sorted out. And again, that doesn't doesn't quite fit that diagram. (coughs) So in the light of Jesus' teaching, on the other side of his death and resurrection, now we have a clearer understanding of the kingdom. The age to come, or the kingdom, is here comes in through the death and resurrection of Jesus. He brings in the kingdom. But there is an overlap of the ages. We're still living in this age, and yet believers are also living in the age to come. The kingdom is now and not yet. We have joy now, joy to the world, but the joy is not complete. It's still tempered with sorrow and suffering. The Lord has come now, but the Lord is still coming. Earth has received a king now, but many on earth still live outside the kingdom. He rules the world, but the nations are still in rebellion against him. He brings his blessing, but sin and sorrow still grows, and thorns still infest the ground. The kingdom has been inaugurated, but the kingdom has not yet been consummated. And so we saw in the next two parables, the parable of the mustard seed, start small, then grow big. And the parable of the yeast, a small amount, has such a big effect, that yes, the kingdom is present now, and in this overlap time, it starts small, but then becomes big. In this overlap time, it's it's hidden, but it has a great effect. The kingdom is alive and well, and one day, when Jesus comes again to wind up this present age, it'll be seen in all its glory. Now you remember, these parables are given to the crowds, they remember the stories but they don't know what it means. The meaning is given to the disciples, and through them, we know the meaning now. Four more parables to look at today. Now these four parables, as far as we know, are not given to the crowds. They're given directly to the disciples. First one is in verse 44. Uh, The kingdom, look at verse 44. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, is like a treasure. It's like a treasure that is hidden. It's not apparent to all. It's just it's hidden in a field, right? So 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 it's, because it's hidden in the field, if you casually walk along the field, you won't see it. La. It's, it's, it's buried in a secret location. Now that's not something that unthinkable, huh? Compared to today. I mean, those those days, no safe deposit boxes, all those kind of things, right? Sometimes people hide expensive things in the ground. Uh, not told when it's buried, who it belongs to, it might have been there for generations, we don't know. But we are told that this man finds it. What does he do when he finds it? He covers it up, because if he had taken out of the ground, then it will belong to the field's owner. And then, if he taken away, he'll be stealing. So what does he do? He leaves it there, doesn't take it up, covers it up. And then in verse forty-four, again. In his joy, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys the field. Right? He puts all his eggs in one basket. Right? No diversified portfolio. Right? He's 100% invested in the land market, but actually he's not really invested in the land market. He's actually in the field market. No, field, treasure market. Right? Because that land got treasure. So he sells everything, and when he sells everything, he does it with joy. He's doing it with joy. He's not saying... Are you, I'm going to make a terrible sacrifice by selling everything and now I'm going to be miserable for the rest of my, no, he's saying sell, 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 All right, Convert everything to cash so that I can buy this field and get this treasure that's worth far more than than my capital. I know it's in my best interest. I know it's worth it. I'm doing it with joy. (coughs) So what do we learn about the kingdom from here? Thank you. We learn that the kingdom, though it's not apparent to everyone, is actually very precious. It is so precious that it is worth every cent that you and I have. It is worth everything you are, everything you have to get this treasure. And when you realize the value of the treasure, then you'll be willing to make whatever sacrifice you need to in order to get it and it's not only smart, it's joyful because you know that you're exchanging something less valuable for something more valuable. Kingdom is precious, the most valuable thing in the world. The second parable makes a very similar point and there in verse 45, the kingdom is uh, picture like it's like a merchant in search of fine pearls, and he finds in verse forty six one pearl of great value. Now pearls were a lot more treasured those days than they are now. Okay, uh, bit like diamonds now Okay, so think diamonds, very very expensive. And Jesus is speaking here of this merchant uh, or wholesaler, wholesale dealer. He's looking for fine pearls, so he's out there. He's knowledgeable in this area, he's a professional, he knows what he's doing. Unlike the guy who finds a treasure, if he just happens to find a treasure in the field. This guy is actually actively seeking a good bargain. Thank you, brother. He is, in verse 45, searching for fine pearls. So he's been looking, 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 looking. He finds one. A pearl that is... Better than any pearl that he's come across before. A pearl that he knows is worth more than any other pearl that he's seen. So what does he do? Again, he goes away, he sells everything he has, and he buys it. Because he knows it's worth it. So what do we learn from this? Same as the other parable. The kingdom is precious. More precious than anything. It's worth giving up everything for. Once you know about it, once you've found it, once you realize its value, then it's okay to give up everything and you say, actually, that's a good deal. Jesus, of course, is the ultimate example of this phenomena. Jesus gave up everything for the kingdom because he knew it was worth it for the joy that was set before him the writer of the hebrew says he endured the cross despising its shame he knew it he knew the score he knew the outcome he's prepared to give up his very life for the sake of the kingdom but of course these two parables are not just about jesus life they're also about his disciples who had left everything to follow him but they're also about people like you and me they're about whoever finds the kingdom whether you've been looking and looking and looking for it or you're walking in the field and happen to find it, it doesn't matter when you find it you realize its value you're willing to pay anything at all to have it for having the kingdom now even in the overlap of the ages means that jesus is our king we live that way the way we're meant to live means forgiveness of sins through the death of jesus on our behalf it means belonging to god adopted by him as his children and if we are in the kingdom now then we'll be in the kingdom in the end and it means having a future glory with jesus when he comes again that's incomparable to anything in this world perfected relationship with god and his people forever in the new creation it means having eternal life, and nothing can match that. There are many people in our church community who have given up much for the sake of the kingdom. You look around and think about each other, and you know, her. some have given up things just to be part of the kingdom itself. Some have given up things in order to help others be part of the kingdom. Some have been rejected by family. Some have lost friends. Some have sacrificed careers. Some give money sacrificially for the sake of the kingdom and miss out on things that they otherwise could buy. Some spend lots and lots of time doing ministry work for the sake of the kingdom and miss out doing things they otherwise could do when people ostracize or insult or ignore them for being in the kingdom then that's especially painful, especially if they are people they love but in the end, whatever the sacrifice, they know it's worth it if they compare what they gain from being in the kingdom on the one hand and what they've given up on the other they know actually they've gained big time the world will think they lost because the world does not know the value of the kingdom. They know, like the merchant knew, that they've come out winners. And so like the man who found the treasure in the field, they received the kingdom with great joy. If you are someone here this morning who is not in the kingdom, then let me say to you, that whatever's stopping you from coming in is not worth it. Let it go. Don't let anything keep you from this eternal, precious kingdom. It is worth giving up everything for. And if you have done that, then rejoice, you have made the right decision. Kingdom's worth it. The third parable is quite different from the other two. It gives us the other side of the story. It warns us about the fate of those who who don't enter the kingdom. Have a look at me, uh, verse 47 to 48. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers but throw away the bad. Uh, The kingdom is pictured here as a net, literally a dragnet. A a dragnet is a net that's pulled by two boats, or or it can be uh, one on the shore and another boat. You drag everything across, and everything gets swept up uh, into the net. And the kingdom of heaven, Jesus, is like that net. Catch everything. So it gathers all kinds of things indiscriminately. So everything in that part of the water gets caught. And then when the net is full, they bring it to the shore. The fishermen sit on the beach, and they sit down, and then they sort out the contents. The good things they put in the container, the rotten things they throw away. It's a separation. And so where all kinds are actually picked up in the net, at the end, there is a division. There's, There's quality control, not at the point of catching the fish, but later on when sorting it. And Jesus gives the meaning of the parable in verse 49 to 50. He says, So it will be at the close of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Friends, there are many fish that are caught in the kingdom net. But not all are good fish. Some are rotten. There are many people attracted to the kingdom, but not all are righteous. Some are wicked. There is a mixture of people. They might all outwardly look like they're part of the kingdom, but but not all are. And the angels will come, Jesus warns us, at the end of the age, not before. And then they will separate the wicked from the righteous. And the wicked will be thrown into hell. Pictured here as a fiery furnace where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. A totally... Awful experience and friends this this is a warning for us it's a severe warning you may be a nice person or moral person you may look like a kingdom fish but unless Jesus is your savior and your king then you're not in the kingdom you can have Christian on your IC chip you can come to church be involved in our activities You can get baptised, confirm, even be on the electoral roll Participate in the Lord's Supper, go to growth group Do everything But not be in the kingdom If Jesus is not your king, if you're not trusting in him and him alone to save you Then you're not yet in the kingdom At the end of the age when Christ comes again and there's a division And you're still not in the kingdom when the end comes then all you have to look forward to for eternity is the fiery furnace where there will be crying and gnashing of teeth. Those are Jesus' words, not mine. If that's you, how do you come into the kingdom? What does it mean to receive the kingdom? It means realizing that you're a sinner, someone who's rebelled against God, who's not in the kingdom but needs to be. It means that you know that you face God's judgment. And there's nothing you can do to save yourself. But realizing that Jesus came to save you. That he died on the cross to pick the punishment for your sin. As your substitute so you can be justly forgiven. It means believing that God raised him from the dead as the king in that kingdom. And coming to him. Giving him your allegiance. Turning away from sin. Asking him to forgive you and to be your king. Coming under his rule as king. Who rules us by his spirit through his word. If Jesus is your king, then you're in his kingdom. So you want to be in the kingdom? It's worth it. When you compare the eternal joy of being in the kingdom with the alternative Jesus warns us about. Of course It's nothing, nothing worth more than being in the kingdom. Remember, Christmas is over. The second coming will soon be over. So don't be foolish, repent of your sins, put your trust in Jesus today. Don't let anything stop you. Now if you're someone who's a bit confused, don't know what kind of fish you are, need someone to talk to, look at the Bible with, help you work it out, then later on, uh, Tim will tell you how to put a, do a connect card, right? Put it in, someone from Pastor Tim can connect you, contact you, right? Don't don't just put a card and say, attend the church today, you know? say the card, I, I need to be in the kingdom, I don't know, right? I don't know what kind of fish I am, something like that, alright? Um... Let us know we'll be in touch, right? Or if you don't know that, talk to your growth group leader. Or talk to another church member uh, whom you trust. Um, but don't just swim around and you've got to sort this out. Gotta sort it out. It's a matter of urgency. Right? Jesus is gonna come. You need to be ready. Well, those of you who are already disciples of Jesus, you're already in the kingdom, look at the question that Jesus asked his original disciples, at the end of this series of parables. It's there in verse 51. He said to them, Have you understood all these things? Have you understood all this? Let me ask you, have you understood all these things? All right, do you get the parables of Matthew 13? The sower, weeds in the wheat, mustard seed, yeast, treasure in the field, merchant, the pearl, the drag that. Do you get it? You see, the kingdom can be rejected, or apparently accepted and then lost you see the time between the appearance of the kingdom and the fullness of the kingdom where the kingdom is hidden but growing you see that in that time the most important thing to do is to make sure that you're part of that kingdom and to help others come into the kingdom as well you see that not everyone who claims to be in the kingdom really is but it will all get sorted out in the end you get the parables And you see how it modifies the Jewish expectation. The disciples thought they got it. When Jesus asked the question, verse 51, they said to him, yes. And Jesus says to them, verse 52, Therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. See, actually... Nothing wrong with the Old Testament scriptures that the scribe studied. Right? It's a treasure. The teachings of Jesus, including this parable, also treasure. Right? One doesn't replace the other. But the Old Testament expectations not the whole story. You understand the parables, then you get the big picture. And so a scribe, a teacher of the law, someone who knows the Old Testament, who becomes a disciple of the kingdom, a disciple of Jesus, will be someone who has, brings out treasures old and new and Jesus was like that he could bring things from the Old Testament and bring his own teaching disciples when they were fully instructed they could be like that bring out the treasures in the Old Testament bring out Jesus teaching put it together including Matthew who wrote this gospel but as we studied it we've seen lots of Old Testament treasures haven't we coming out of this gospel and Matthew shows us how they are fulfilled in Christ and friends, as Christians, as God's people, we want to receive and we want to bring out treasures, new and old. Of course, we live in a new covenant time, so, but we don't just read the New Testament. Jesus taught us to read both Testaments, Old Testament and New, to see how the old is fulfilling the New. So it must never be people who neglect Old Testament or New Testament. Right? Both are important, and how they relate to each other is important. That's why we read both testaments in church every sunday that's why we preach and do bible study from both old testament and new testament the kind of teaching you want to receive and the kind of teaching that that gospel teachers should be providing is treasures new and old make sure you get instructed in both old and new testament but don't just read the old testament as if jesus never came make sure you read the old testament in light of jesus and the way jesus modifies the expectations. If you do that, then you bring out those treasures, new and old, store them up, show them off, instruct others in them as well. Let others see and appreciate, not just for their beauty, but for the fact they speak to us of Jesus and his kingdom, whether it's from old or from new. Finally, let us remember with confidence that very soon the kingdom will come in all its fullness. The time of overlap that the parables speak of will will soon be over. And as surely as Christmas is now over, the second coming will be over as well. The king has come, the king will come again. And so let's make sure that we are in his kingdom and let's make every effort to share that kingdom with our friends and loved ones so they too can see the value of the kingdom and experience its joy. And let us look forward to the day when Jesus comes again. And all God's promises are perfectly fulfilled. And we sing not just in anticipation, but in jubilant recollection. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that Christ has indeed come, and that Christ will indeed come again. Thank you that even now that kingdom that he brought in continues to grow. Thank you that you have given many of us eyes to see the value of that kingdom, help us never forget that help us to always treasure the kingdom above everything else help us never to lose sight of what a joy it is to have Jesus as our King and help us to bring forth treasures new and old as we learn from the Old Testament and the new what a wonderful Savior our King is we pray for those who haven't yet entered the kingdom Please work in their hearts. Have mercy upon them, we pray. and grant that they might enter uh, before the coming day. We pray all these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.